0: Hey, Bon Vivance. Welcome back. Keith here with Brad at my side. You're getting ready to listen to part two of an encore presentation of the Doug Frost interview. Episode twelve, way back, almost two years ago, right, Brad?
1: You know we've gotten a lot of comments about, oh, about this show,
0: and we got a lot of new listeners since we did this. So I hope we're uh, happy we're picking to up say some, some we, new folks we, to we, listen to it,
1: and we keep picking them up. You so bet, for those so. of you that are winos, and we use that term, it's term, a term of, of endearment, endearment, you for bet us, it is. That's right. You you want to listen to Mr. Doug Frost? He is uh, he is an amazing guy and yep. knows all his stuff and really cool.
0: Yep, he is, and uh, you know Doug is a real bon vivant. He loves all the arts, all forms of art, uh, the good life. So um, I know he's a big reader, too. And I wanted to say thanks to Missouri River Regional Library for sponsoring the program. It's a digital world today. Even more resources available at your local library e books, audio books, on your home and personal devices. So with a library card, you can get just about anything you want. Check out your local library. Ours is Missouri River Regional Library. And we want to say thanks. Download those Libby and Hoopla apps at your local library. And uh, you can stream just about anything you want.
1: And enjoy Episode 2 with Mr. Doug Frost. Mr. Enloe, cheers.
0: cheers!
1: So you like bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames The Godfather's One and Two not so fast, we got a podcast. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that, too.
0: We like that too. So let's face facts. Even if what we consider fine dining, most really good restaurants don't have a a Agreed. Yeah. The, the server might, might serve that purpose if he's educated and know, he or she is educated and know what they're talking about. When we do get the opportunity and the, the experience to eat someplace that has a samaye, walk us through as consumers and orderers of wine what's the best way to make the most of that sommelier's experience and background So it benefits us.
2: Yeah, I think always um, you want to let people know, let the sommelier or even the server. But, yes, a sommelier theoretically would know what you're talking about when you go, here's the wines I really love. Here's the wine I really would like to have tonight. But you don't have it on your list. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, so what would you tell me that I should drink instead? Let them know. And and when you do so, in essence, if if you're smart about it, you're actually telling them, here's how much I want to spend. Here's the kind of style I'm looking for. These are the kinds of wines that taste good to me, and a sommelier is going to say, oh, yes, I love that wine too. Here's what I have that will remind you of that. Or they may say, yeah, I don't have anything exactly like that, but you know what? Have you ever had X? It it will be similar, but here's how it's going to be different. And most of the time it's like all I wanted was a conversation with somebody who kind of understood where I was coming from, and, and now it's like bring it, man. Let's roll. This is fun. That, that's a lot of Well, fun. going
1: in and saying uh, I like dry red wine is not being helpful to <laughs> the sommelier. It's not being helpful. I mean, okay, i got a, I got, uh, let's see, I got which of these the 600 yeah. bottles yeah. Yes. do we want to use? That's so. not being helpful.
2: Yeah, and, and it's okay if you say, and, and I have it happen all the time where people are like, oh, I don't know anything about wine. I'm like, well, is there a particular wine that you like? And they'll be like, oh, well, I don't, you know, the kind of wines like I, you know, people don't know that much about it. But, you know, if I can get a brand out of them most of the time. It tells me everything I need to know. It's, sure. it's great information, and, and they're somehow embarrassed, for God's sakes. Why be embarrassed? It's like saying, you know, oh, well, I, I usually just have my pork chops grilled, but I don't know how you're supposed to cook them. Yeah. You know, well, so, well, I,
0: it can be intimidating, though, I think, yeah, especially true. to, you know, people who are not deeply into wine. and, and uh, So price point. You, you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, you can suggest it, but let's be honest. You don't want to get caught in that trap where you get the bill at the end of the dinner and you're like, ouch, Right? I didn't realize that. And especially if you're entertaining, you don't want to come across as a cheapskate. Um, So what's a good under-the-table kind of way to hint, or another one, you mentioned one, but other ways to let the sommelier know what kind of price range you want to stay in?
2: Well, always rest assured, the sommelier knows what the prices are. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, if, if I say, well, I was looking at... This uh, Cotaron, or I was looking at this Syrah from, you know, wherever. The Somalia has just seen me point at a bottle that costs 35 bucks and a bottle that costs 55 bucks. I know what you want to spend now. Okay. All you've had to do is give me, well, you know, I was thinking about these two. What do you think? And, and the same thing, as I say, when you say, well, I t- typically just, just drink, you know, an inexpensive Bordeaux or a, a, a Napa cab, but I don't buy any of the big names. I just like to buy, you know, kind of the everyday stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, it's like, okay, so you want to spend 50 bucks or less. That's cool. I get it. And, and, uh, you know, if you are in a place, where somebody turns around and starts offering you $175 bottles of wine, it's probably time to end the conversation, take the list, and just go for it because they're not listening to you. But that's, that shouldn't happen. That's exactly right. what we talk about when we talk about making certain that, that sommeliers get the idea of hospitality. And so at every level of the quartermaster the sommelier we try to teach people that hospitality is the purpose of this thing. You want them not to spend a lot of money today. You want them to find something that tastes good at a price they like and then come back. Because it's the yeah. repeat customer that's going to keep your doors yeah, this open. Is
1: like the car, this is like the car salesman. I don't sell yeah. one car. I sell a generation of cars. You know, it's, it's yeah. the same thing. Keith and I have got another... Uh, podcast that, that we listen to, and, and we, we just have really kind of fallen in love with these girls. But I think one of them said something that I thought was just absolutely golden. She said, look, as, as a consumer, as a customer – it is also not your job to try to impress the sommelier.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went. I like that.
1: Oh my God.
2: You're the that customer here. That's the most here. brilliant
1: yeah. thing I have ever heard in my life. That's see, beautiful. She said, You're not going to impress the sommelier. That, that's beautiful. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it really is. It's like, who's the customer here? Guess yeah. what? Uh, yeah. yeah. No,
2: the, the, um, the idea for me that the restaurant setting can still be intimidating to people makes me a little crazy. Um, I do think that the younger generation is less buys into that less than our generation did. If you allow us to, you know, oh, to do the royal we here, we're, you know? we're there, yeah, yeah. we're all there. <laughs> no and, argument. Yeah, and, and and it can still happen. And I um, I won't go back to a restaurant like that. You know, if I can't be thanked for dropping some dollars in this place, then then you don't need my dollars. And, it, you know, to me it doesn't really matter what level of quote-unquote restaurant it is. I, I want to feel like you appreciated that I threw my dollars, in, uh, you know, on the table in this place. And and when restaurants can't figure out how to do that, well, they obviously don't need my money. That's cool.
0: Yeah, karma kind of has a way of working itself out when, it uh, when you have an operation like that. And people feel underappreciated or exploited that. That's not going to last very long. So. Uh, these days, in particular. It, yeah, exactly right. There's too many options out there. Yeah, so. yeah, indeed. You know,
1: Keith, the other thing that that, that they talked about, and they, and that, and cu-
0: we we should not be afraid to mention this podcast. It's the Wine Access podcast. It's the new that, w- uh, Wine Access podcast oh, um, cool. that
1: they've just done, and and Amanda is a master of wine, and Vanessa is the curator for Wine Access. Oh, cool. And yeah. so, but the two of them are just They're cute, great. cute as yeah. can be, and they. They know their they know yes, their wives, they know their stuff. but they were they were that quote sort of came in context with um, Amanda had worked for one of the restaurants there in uh, Napa Press Press Yeah Oh Sure Of Course yeah. And uh, was talking about the fact that um, that they've had a lot of celebrities and folks that are and and. Uh, Ball players, you know, people at at you know the the, the Ron James. I mean, the people at the top of the list, and and one of them was talking about, and they said, you know, the interesting thing about about the sommeliers, the master sommeliers that come and wait on us, is in the minds of these sports people, you guys are, are the all stars. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys are the ones that we are in awe. Yeah, of. they look up to them. Yeah. And a man is like. Really? And they say, no, look, when you're at the top, when you're a LeBron James and you know everything you know about dunking a basketball, but you want to get into the wine world, you are. You are our Yoda. You are the person that we want to sit and have a conversation with. It was, it was a, I love these girls. I really do. I'd love to have them on the show sometime. We we may be, we may be cannibalizing our own audience. We we may be, but, but uh, I
0: I think you can listen more to one, than one podcast. I I
2: bet you can. And, you know, you should reach out for them. I bet they do it.
0: It's a good one. It it, Um, it is a
1: good one. I guess. Maybe the, the master sommelier test wasn't hard enough or you're an overachiever or you just really enjoy taking impossibly hard tests because two years later you decided to, get, to well, go for a master of wine. What was What was the thinking going on there? Honestly, I took them both at the same time. Oh.
2: Um, you know, which is a great idea. Especially, uh, at the same time my second child was born and I was starting a new company. So, yeah, sleep was no longer an option. So working, Um,
1: you tried to work all of life's stressors into a very short amount of time. I'm up for that. Get them out of the way. Get them out of the way. You know, then you drink wine for the rest of your life. It's a good plan.
2: The the truth of the matter is, is that I, I knew about the MW and I was into it and I was trying to get in the uh, uh, mid eighties, I was trying to get involved in the MW. really exist here yet, but I went to New York and met with the guy who was trying to bring it to the U.S. English. And, uh, yeah, British guy. And... The,
1: well, I mean, the, the master of wine is more of an I always think of it as a European distinction is that in, um, in Well they're it?
2: both both programs are based in London so they oh, both okay. yeah, so they both uh, but certainly the Master Sommelier has been far more successful here okay. over the last 20 years or so so there's 170 or so American Master Sommeliers or North American I should say Master Sommeliers whereas we're at about uh, 50 or so North American MWs or Masters of Wine um, but so I was trying to get involved in that program, and then I got a, I got booted upstairs, and suddenly now I was the the uh, sales manager for a company that was statewide, and I was going back and forth with St. Louis and Columbia and Springfield and all this stuff. And I and so I dropped out of what I was hoping was going to become the program. It still didn't really exist, but by then uh, 1989, I kind of had my ducks in a row there. And so I was getting ready to take the MW program again, and uh, now I'd signed up for it, I'm registered for it, and I'm just waiting for the, the tasting exam to happen. When a, One of my first mentors, a guy who used to live in Kansas City and, and now was living in San Francisco, was like, hey, so I'm going to go take that uh, Master Sommelier uh, exam, the intro and the, the, the advanced in Chicago. And I was like, well, what's that? He's like... Oh, it's a really cool program. I can't believe you haven't heard of it. And I was like, no, nah, i never heard of it. When, when are you taking the program? Oh, in two weeks. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, well, why don't you come up and take it with me? I was like, well, I don't know anything about it. I don't know what it is. He's like, oh, well, just call Evan Goldstein. He's a master sommelier and in San Francisco. Just tell him I told you to call. So I call Evan. And <laughs> Evan doesn't know me from Adam. And literally my friend Mendel had said, uh, so I call up Evan. And I'm like, well, it's a, it's a, it's a seven-day program, but I'm the manager here. So I need to just not take the intro and just take the advanced. And he's like, uh, nobody does that. I was like, <laughs> well, you know, I, I just don't have time to do both. And I've done this for a long time, so I think I'll probably be okay at it. And he's like, ah, okay, <laughs> uh, sure, uh, Mr. Frost, uh, if you think you should do that. Uh,
1: okay, okay yeah, partner. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Yeah, first day, I'm like, I am, you know, having to – go and clean my underwear every 10 minutes you know (laughs) because I realized what I've done Mm. I did pass I mean it was you know one of those oh my god moments but I I, immediately I'm like oh I had no idea and and another thing that happens in that moment is I'm like these are my people how did I not know about that program these are my people I come from the restaurant business at 14 washing dishes you know these are my beeps and and so suddenly (laughs) I found myself both in the MS and the MW and I kept and I would pass you know one of the exams and I'd be like so now I need to take a break because I got to finish the MW, and uh, or you know I did the same thing with the MWs. I'm like, okay, so I got through, you know, I'm ready to take the, the full exam, but now I'm going to take a break. They're like, no, no, you need to go straight on. You're ready, and I'm like, no, I'm not ready. Time. And so it was you know so it took me two tries to pass the uh, MS and two tries to pass the MW, and I. I swear to God, if it'd taken me more than that, I might not, I might have dropped out and just said to hell with it, because I was, I was pretty much a burnt ember of a human by the end.
1: Are of Are they that. essentially the same kind of a test? Are they both three parts? Are they both uh, well, sort of the same? Or
2: they're, they're, um, the, the, way I describe it is, you know, the Venn diagram is real. There is a, a common ground, but the, the MS is every word that can appear on any wine label made anywhere in the world, and service and tasting, and the MW is. <laughs> Here, you have two hours write three ready-to-publish essays on these various and sundry questions. Um, So it's very much a writing exam where the MS is very much a how fast can you be on your feet because it's a service exam. The entire thing, at least at the final levels, is a verbal examination. So in the MS, if they ask you a question, if you say pass or don't have an answer in 30 seconds, you're done. You can't go, oh, wait, 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 I remember the answer now. It's like, no. No. It's over. Where's the MW, you can you know make your notes, get your stuff ready, make a structure for the essay, and then just start writing like a madman. Yeah.
1: Wow. So they're just very wow. different. That's um, impressive. It makes it gives me a stomachache just thinking I know. just, <laughs> I just know. thinking about it. I actually went online and I looked at some of the uh, I looked at some of the questions, uh, the test questions and stuff for the, for the, the MS. And I went, oh, okay. you gotta be kidding <laughs> yeah. me. But I think that the the part of it that intrigues me the most too is. The the way you have to do the tasting test, I mean, it's almost for those of us that are lay people. It's almost a parlor trick. I mean, it really, really is that you can pick this glass up. You've got a certain amount of time. You swirl it around. You look at it. You start to describe it. Da 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 ba 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 da. This is from here. Da 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 ba ba da. And you got to be right, or yeah, pre- or pretty right.
2: It, it, but it's all there, if you will. And and um there's a story I can't help but tell, just because. I, the number of times that people have said when I go, you know, oh, look, anybody could pass the tasting exam. It's just a matter of experience, blah, blah, blah. You know, people are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and so. I'm I, one of those. Well, I don't,
0: I don't believe you. I don't okay. believe you.
2: But yeah, I don't believe <laughs> you, that. So, um that my, my tail my my uh, evidence would be so i used to go do uh, uh annual or buy, uh twice annual tastings in at disney world in florida and i would do classes there and they would always say well let's do one uh tasting exam people buy tickets it'll be at Epcot, and so there'd be 100 people there. And they've got six glasses in front of them and I've got six glasses in front of me and none of us knows what the wines are. And so we'd blind taste together and I would give the guy who uh, was organizing it I would give him a sheet of 100 wines and say just pick six off this list and blind us. And then me and the audience would work it out. And that was really fun and this woman is arguing with me and as we're getting ready to start she's like I don't believe you. You know, that you have to have a very special palate. And and it's time to begin and they intro me and at this point I'm like This is great, but here's one big problem. This is supposed to be a blind tasting. They forgot to pour my wines. (laughs) I have six empty glasses. But at this point, I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to prove to you it's not my palate. So I I knew a guy in the audience, and he's a candidate, you know, so I know he's good at tasting. I'm like, bring your glasses up here. Sit down in my chair. I'm going to stand here, and I'm not going to look at the wines or smell them or taste them. I'm just going to hear what everybody says. I'm going to ask questions in case I think you've missed something. Because they may forget to talk about spice, and then how will I know what kind of oak barrel it was in? Or they may forget to talk about herb, herb- herbaceousness, so I won't know cool climate, warm climate, which grape, la, la, la. And I got five of the six wines right. Wow. And he only got four of the six wines <laughs> 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 right. So it's the old, I rest my case, it's not about the ability to collect information. It's about knowing what the data means.
1: It's kind of a. It's gotta, almost a Sherlock Holmes. It's a. It's a matter it of deduction. It is. It, it is. We call it, it the if, deductive taste. If it's not this, it's got to be that. Yes. And it's. Yeah. yeah. It is
2: deductive in the sense it's, that you go. Here's what it's not.
1: Yeah. It, right. So obviously this is not New World.
0: So that leaves out.
1: Half the con- half of the world. Yeah. So, the so, globe. yeah, so now we've
0: got it narrowed down. Yeah. I don't know how you do. Yeah. it. Uh, well, it's impressive, and and thank thank goodness for people like you because it certainly makes uh, wine more enjoyable for people like us when we can uh, read comments and reviews and and it's sort of like movie reviews. Doug, to me, when you can find reviewers who you who you are connected, you it's, they like the same thing I like. Very this nice. guy who reviews stuff, we don't like the same thing. Yeah, and you, you know? discover that, and yeah. that's fine. You know, right. then you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even even not liking something is is good information. You know, not agreeing on something is good information.
2: I think so. you're quite right, and and as a as a wine writer and reviewer over the years, I always tried to kind of say, well, this is what I like. So you'll know if you don't like that, then don't pay attention to right. what <laughs> I like. You know, it's okay because I tend to like things that are a bit more tart. I don't like these big, burly wines. I don't like high-alcohol wines, generally speaking. And, and you know, a famous writer like Robert Parker, uh, who was the influencer for a long time, does. Yeah. And and the issue I would try to point out, because get into arguments about this all the time with... With other wine writers from around the world and such, it's like, look, he's not wrong. His palate likes that. Right. He's saying, here's what I like. If you don't like what he likes, well, so what? Big deal. That's yeah. that's normal. I don't like what he likes, but you know what? That doesn't make him wrong and me right, or me wrong and him right. right. We like different things, just like we we like different foods.
1: I yeah. think this is a it's this a great, is, this is a philosophy too that I think Keith and I very much share, and we've 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 said this on the air before. Like what you like. If you like a Moscato, and that's fine. I mean, if you like, drink but, it up, man. But drink here, what but, you like? But yeah. here, but here's yeah. the thing: if you like a Moscato, don't just drink one. Go out there and look. In your price point, you might have ten or fifteen Moscatos. So, take the journey. Go out and look at them. If you like Pinot Noirs, my God, dude, there's. I mean, you could just start with just Willamette Valley Pinot Noirs. You know, and. And get the ones that you like, but take the journey, and you'll enjoy. I think you'll enjoy. You, you'll get hooked on, on on wine drinking when you when you do it yeah. that way, and you yeah. like the way you like. Screw anybody that doesn't it, put you down for whatever you like. You know, with with with, right. yeah. with wine. It's it's life's too short, and it's yeah. too and it's too much fun.
2: And it's just it's just I mean, personal. It, it's, it it's
1: is very personal. It's very personal. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I said it's like putting. You know, there's <laughs> there's one objective. And how you get there, lots of different ways to do it. So, like, like, yeah. so
2: seven of them in a row
0: is okay then? Yeah. Well, that's my let's, leave <laughs> well, my, let's leave my personal game out of it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a good segue though to talk about something that I, I want to make sure we do not overlook. We're talking about tasting wine and you just mentioned the kind of stuff you like. You have now started a new venture into making wine. Yes. And I want you to talk about that. Okay. Um, tell us all about your, you know, how you got started, where it's at, what you named it. I mean, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and let you talk. Uh, we know on page 75 of the latest edition of Wine Enthusiast, there is a feature uh, page on that, but I'd like for our listeners to hear it from you. So, And what and I think us. is
1: really interesting is I think when you and I talked for the first time, you were in Walla in Walla, Walla checking, yeah. checking on your little buddies, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Because of the, yeah, you we can had, talk about that too. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. We had fires about this it.
2: year, and and so that was a, a, a source of great worry. But um, no, starting back in uh, 2017, I um, was uh, in contact with a buddy of mine who owned a little piece of a, a vineyard project, and it's it's in Walla Walla Valley, and I've been going back and forth between you know here in Walla Walla for decades. Frankly, I. I Kind of fallen in love with the area back in the late 80s, and my wife and I had even thought about engineering a move to to Seattle or the Seattle area back in the mid 80s. And and my friends who live in Seattle uh, find this enormously funny because uh, I always t- tell tell them that the reason we didn't move to Seattle is in '85 it, it was too too expensive. <laughs> They're always like, "You got to be kidding me! You, know, you have any idea what it's like now?" Like, they yeah, sell it by the
1: square inch now. Yeah, no. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, uh,
2: but you know, we we didn't have a pot to piss in. So, and we had kids. You know, we were planning on kids. It's and all such. relative,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm so
2: glad I stayed here in Kansas City. It worked out very well for me. Well, meanwhile, uh, so this friend of mine says, "Hey." You know, I can get you in on this deal that, that already exists. And actually, I poured myself some of the wine right here. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, uh, I, uh, meanwhile, had a, a friend who is a, a successful business person here in Kansas City who's helped me with some of the charities that I, I work with here. I work with the Friends of, Ch- Friends of Chamber Music. I mean, we actually even do the, the fundraiser here in this building um, with Angel Flight Central, which is – uh, a, a, a charity that I've been helping to support for 15 years or so, um, with one of my wine competitions, and, and I love that that charity. Basically, they provide uh, funding for uh, pilots with their own uh, you know with their own uh, airplanes or access to, to to private planes to provide travel to families in need or uh, you know medical emergencies. Quite often, people who are getting you know who who have kids that are getting treatment. But therefore their immune systems are down. They can't be in a commercial airline. And, and, uh. One of our
0: very good friends in Jefferson City is an angel flight pilot. Oh, right. Chip Gentry. Yep.
2: I know who that is. Do you know Chip? Well, I I know who he is because every year we, we, uh, uh, you know, honor certain pilots and, and Chip is.
0: He's a great guy.
2: Yeah. It's, it's an amazing charity. So anyway. Yes. Um, so, uh, this particular, uh, business person had said, Doug, if you ever want to, want to do something, you let me know. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, so what happens is, This deal that this friend of mine says I can cut you in on, I'm just going to be a little tiny piece of a of a little tiny pie, Um, but I get I get booted out. The the partnership says, "Hey, we lost a partner. We don't want to put another partner back in." No disrespect to Doug, you know, getting the John Stewart line, (laughs) but (laughs) your mother's a whore. No disrespect, you know. (laughs) But so so I get booted out. You know, I don't get the deal, and that's fine. And and the next thing I know, one of the kind of Godfathers of the the uh, vineyard. Uh, industry in Walla Walla is a gentleman named Norm McKibben, and Norm calls me up out of the clear blue and says, "Hey, I heard what happened. You got a rotten deal." And I was like, "Well, Norm, I mean, I'm from Kansas City. I just, you know, the whole thing was a pipe dream, anyway." And and he said, "Well, how about if I sell you some land?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" And he, he has land all over the place there. I was like, "Seriously?" And he's like, "Yeah, I have the Savane project where uh, famous folk, you know, brands like Leonetti and Betts Family and such are all there." He says, "Why don't you come on up and uh, pick a spot?" It's like. Really? Oh
1: my god.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those so so I called I called you know uh, my uh, my buddy Brad and I'm like, "Dude, are you serious because this could get expensive really fast." <laughs> and he's you know, the two of us threw in together and we went up there and picked a spot and I spent about a year and a half just plowing green manure into it because the the soil itself was pretty much just wheatlands pasture there wasn't a lot of life to that soil. That's part of the problem, if you will, of the challenge of Walla Walla. A lot of it's just dust. And, um, so we, we did that and we planted it in May of 19. Um, meanwhile, I was telling, um, a friend of mine who has a very successful winery up there, a guy named Greg Harrington, who's a master sommelier who, um, owns Gramercy Cellars. He, I'm keeping him abreast of the whole thing because he had heard about the earlier deal and he was kind of laughing at me going, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, dude. And, and, you know, he predicts correctly; it does not happen, you know. So um, I tell him what's going on, and then in January of eighteen, I'm up there signing the paperwork, and then I go by to see Greg and his winemaker Brandon, and and he's like, "So you did it?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "It's signed; it's already done." I'm like, "Yep." You know, now we're just gonna you know get started pretty soon. He was like, "Sit down." You're gonna be drinking from a fire hose right now. You're gonna make wine in, in the fall. I was like, No, no, Greg, it's not even planted yet. He's like, Shut up, you're gonna be making wine in the fall. I'm like, no, you see, I'm gonna learn what I'm doing first. We're gonna figure this out. Shut up, you're making wine in the fall. I'm like, but see, we don't have any plants yet. Shut up. I'm gonna give you some of my block forty-nine Lake Colleen. I was like, Greg, that's your favorite Syrah. And he's like, Shut up, you're gonna make Lake Colleen Syrah. You know, I was like, Okay, you know? well, so' if here we exist. go. And and he was right. I mean, it was like you got to learn how to how to walk before you run, and and in this case You've got to learn how to crawl, just figure out what is available in a place like Walla Walla. So we made actually close to 800 cases in 2018 because once, once I'm in, you know, making some wine, well, then I guess I'd better buy some grapes from the neighboring vineyard to the place we bought. That way I can learn what you know, the Bordeaux varieties are like in that place. And so, and once that happens, I need a winemaker. So Greg and Brandon, Brandon turned me on to a kid. I say kid. He'd been making wine in Walla Walla for 10 years, had his master's from Washington State in enology. But I, I, he and I start talking, and we hit it off, and it's like, let's do this. So we hire him. He's my only employee. And it's just really just the the two of us making this wine. Uh, we rent uh, a space at a at a you know kind of a cooperative winery up there that uh, a bunch of wineries utilize up there. And and we made about three thousand cases in 2019, and this year we just uh, we're buttoning up about four thousand cases or so. Wow. We barreled everything <sighs> down, um, making about six different wines now. But uh, in, in initially, and right now, we just have this Syrah that we're tasting, and then we have a, a Bordeaux blend that comes from a single vineyard called Seven Hills, kind of the oldest, most established vineyard in, in Walla Walla. But it's right next door to, my, uh, to the vineyard that we bought and planted. So I thought that would be a good way to learn.
0: For, our, for so this our, is echo. I'm sorry, Brad. This, no, I was just going to say
1: for for our Bon Vivant. Don't realize this this area is exploding for wine up mm-hmm. there. It is it has really come on? So you right. you are in a you're in a hot spot. I think. Yes. Are you yes. not?
0: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was. It's a place I like a lot.
0: So this is echo lands yes so so echo lands Where, yes. where'd the name come from right I well, know because I read the article <laughs>
2: you <got hills. laughs> well you know if you look at the label you see there's a topo map on there and the the vineyard that we bought is right on there as is seven hills and and uh, our vineyard is kind of a long but um, starts at about 1100 feet and then slides down to about 900 feet or so in elevation. And, and then there's a big, you know, there's a creek there, and there's kind of a canyon off to the to the side. So there's a bit of an echo, and, and, and you know, or potential uh, echo, if you will, when you stand at the top of the hill. And, and as I was trying to figure out the name, I decided just to can't you not know, camp out literally, but to hang out at the vineyard a lot and see if I could figure out what it should be called in that way. Um, so started out that way, and then I got to thinking about it, and I thought I I, I like this name. In the sense that I'm in Kansas City, it's far away in Walla Walla, so there's a bit of an echo effect, if you will. And then, as we you know, really go from prosaic to more poetic, the 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 uh, myth of Echo, if people will remember from Ovid's Metamorphosis, where we get a lot of these uh, this mythology that we have today. Um, echo is this. Uh, This spirit that wanted to take corporal form so she could declare her love for this youth she'd fallen in love with. And she gets, she's allowed to do that, but with the caveat, she is not allowed to say anything that is not said to her. She has to repeat exactly what is said to her. And I thought, what an apt metaphor for winemaking itself. You basically, if, if, as a winemaker, if you try to say something the grapes are not already saying, you're going to screw it up. Or at least in my world, that's not how I view winemaking. And, and if you will, the, the wine, therefore, is an echo of the grapes. The grapes, therefore, are an echo of the land, and, and hence the name. And and then I will have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, one of the sommeliers here in, in town heard this whole tale, and he's like, uh, dude, you missed the obvious one. I'm like, what? It's like, Walla walla, that's an echo. That's like, Damn it! Yeah, I'm going to take credit for that. Yeah. No, no. I knew that. I knew that.
0: Yeah, you need to add that into your story. Don't yes. let don't let the facts ruin a good story. Oh no! no. Don't yes. no, never let the facts that. get in the way of a good story. That's yeah. right. All right. So so we have been privileged enough. We
1: have been privileged. We Doug have has an, poured us a glass echo of this, and
0: the uh, and this is 2018. Yeah, so this is our Syrah. first release. Yeah, first release. All right. The nose. Is the nose is really interesting. It's it's really different. It's, I, and it's, I, I mean that in a good way, but it is, it is <laughs> not that. something that I <laughs> have experienced very often.
2: The, the idea for me was very much that there's a lot of uh, big Syrah out there, big Shiraz, uh, if you will, same grape. Um, that's not what I was interested in making. I am not a fan of 15% alcohol wines. Why? Because what, I what can't drink the, as much. What is
1: the alcohol in this? This,
2: this guy is uh, basically 13. 15. 13? Yeah, 13 and a half is... More reminiscent of wines in in California 30 years ago, Uh, it's certainly more in in keeping with the typical alcohol level of a Syrah in France than it is the alcohol level of Syrah in California or Australia. Um, Those wines often can hover around 15%, and I just, you know, that difference is, is critical to me because I want to be able to have three glasses, not one. And uh, so that was part of it. We also, uh, as as the t- tradition in northern Rhone, particularly in a place called Cote Roti, uh, a place I'm really, really fond of, they typically use 1% or 2% Viognier, which is a white grape. And you crush them all together, you ferment them together, and it adds a little bit of just a tiny bit of a floral element right at the back end of the wine. It also actually helps adjust your, your acidity a little bit, and it'll help fix color. And I, I did it partly because... We don't get a lot of deep color out of this Syrah. This is kind of an elegant style vineyard, uh, so it fit into my my you know hope of of how we were going to make the wine. But it made perfect sense when we're looking around and I'm biting the grapes, eating the grapes, trying to figure out when it's time to harvest them. And I'm like, you know, there's Viognier right next door. Taylor, it, it, Taylor's my winemaker, and he's like, yeah, I, I asked if we could have some, and if we want some, we can we can fill up some buckets. Yeah. I was like, really? And, and so we hand harvest and we foot stomp. Um, this stuff is actually uh, punched down by hand twice a day in bins that are about four foot by four foot by four foot. And we just crawl up in them and, and you know, squish them down. And, and so it's really very much handmade in that way. And the v and grapes, you just throw them in there as well. And and it uh, helps, uh, I think, with the character. And, and then everything was, quote, unquote, native ferment, so we don't add any yeast. Uh, we let just the ambient yeast in the air do the trick. Um, and and then, then we put it in uh, only about one out of five barrels is new. And the barrels are not typical wine barrels. Uh, we, we use typical what we call Bordeaux barrels for the Cabernet uh, blend, the Cabernet, the Cabernet uh, Franc, Merlot, etc. That's fine, but for the Syrah, I've always believed that bigger barrels are better. So these are about twice the size of a typical wine barrel, and as I say, only only uh, 20% are new, and and all of that feeds into my view of how this grape should be handled. That uh, this is not a, that that I think too many people try to make Syrah into Cabernet. It wants to be Syrah. It's, it's somewhere between Pinot Noir and Cabernet. It's not, you know, it's its, its own thing.
1: If it doesn't have that, what, what do you think? You're over here grinning. And I, I, well, I'm, smi- I no, I'm
0: smiling because I like this, and here's why I, I like too. this, Doug, and not that you need my, you know, recommendation or approval. I tend to like old-world wines, and I tend to like higher acidity. I tend to like really a lot of minerality and earthiness, and I – I'm getting that from this. I I don't mind fruit and I like, you know, I I like some fruit, but I really like that, uh, that acidity and, and you said tartness. I, I agree. Um, not tannic, right? But, but I like it. But not
2: shy either. but But
0: the nose on it, if you put this in front of me blinded, I would have guessed this was an old world wine because of the nose and that. That earthiness, that that acidity, that minerality that I get off of the nose. Yeah, that's that, just my opinion. This is kind of what
1: I think of when you think of a Washington Syrah. Mm-hmm. This is what I want it to taste cool. like. Good. Um, mm-hmm. I like it, I like it a little peppery. I like a little spicy. I like
0: I love it that way. But it's you know? so well blended. But it's
1: so so smooth at yeah. the same time. You you kind of get the spice maybe, or I do anyway. Maybe a little bit later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and after and you, after it, you've swallowed it, yeah, it's, it's, and it's it, sort of at the it, back and on the side. It's kind of the
1: gift that keeps on giving. It is. It's <laughs> very nice. Yeah. yeah well, thank is. you.
0: Yeah. That's, that's. Oh, very, that's, very nice. Congratulations. I
1: think you've, uh, I think you're on to something there, young
0: man. We're, Do you have a wine yep. club yet?
1: Uh, yeah, actually we have. Okay. Let's, you
0: let's, have two new members of your wine oh, club. There we go. All All right. got it. Awesome. Hey, Bon Vivants! you
1: know when We Like That Too was launched, we knew very little about what was needed to
0: promote the podcast online. That's right. So we turned to Greg Arnold at GAA Consulting. GAA Consulting was a lifesaver helping us get things started. Greg
1: is a small business owner who loves helping small businesses grow. He takes the
0: time to listen to your business goals. GAA Consulting will custom design your website and create a digital marketing strategy to help you reach those goals. Every project is tailor-made to meet your small business needs and preferences. And Greg can teach
1: you to manage things yourself, or you can hand things over to him and
0: he'll lighten your workload. You know, if your business needs help building an online presence, visit GAAConsultingLLC.com. That's GAA Consulting LLC.com. Custom solutions for your small business needs. We've not uh, been to Washington. Once, we we were oh, you close. went to Oregon. That's we we yeah.
1: went through Willamette sure. and, uh, Oh, man. Yeah, so I we stuff. didn't I stay there goals. long enough. Yeah, so yeah. much
2: good stuff in the Willamette Valley. Are you
1: familiar to... with the Langs, I take oh, it? Oh, of course. Jesse Lang. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely his, one of my favorite His folks,
2: Don and Wendy, are uh, amongst my favorite people. And I've been, I've been hanging with them when Jesse was just a little kid. Yeah. One of my favorite Wendy stories is uh, we used to, to – they used to be at sometimes a winemaking retreat that I was allowed to show up at even though I wasn't a winemaker. and uh, Wendy and I, you know, Don would be off doing something else, and Wendy and I would uh, go mountain biking. And I remember Wendy is Wendy is hardcore. She seems like a you know a small, mild mannered woman until you talk to her. At one point, I hear this kind of gasp, and you know we're going along this crazy trail along uh, along the Rogue River, and I hear this gasp, and I turn around, and Wendy is going backwards, head over heels over this cliff on her bike, and I'm like, oh my god! Now, hop off my bike, and I come running over, and as I get There, there's somebody cursing like a sailor, one hand on a tree root and one hand on a bike, and and I reach down to help her, and she, you know, curses at me, "Get the hell out of my way!" and pulls herself up, (laughs) tosses the bike back onto the trail. I'm like, "Do not mess with Wendy." Note to self: Don't mess with Wendy. So that's Jesse's folks. They're amazing
1: people. The The wines are cool. The book that was written about the Lang, I haven't seen it. I don't know about this. Oh. Damn. Oh my god. I'm gonna fix that. Wow. Okay. Email. And, and and you're going <laughs> to love this because it was written by and Brenda might have to help me. I think it was uh, written by somebody from the Portland paper maybe and he he decided and and, and the, or the university. But the way he wrote this Doug was so cool because it was a month in the life of a vineyard. Uh, cool. And so they That's talk awesome. about of the year, yeah, for the year. So, yeah. so this is kind of what's happening at Lang in January, and this is what they're going to do in February. But at the same time, they also give you a historical context of the fact that this was a bunch of scrubby crap out there that nobody ever thought anybody was going to grow any. Uh, Whether well, will grow chestnuts out there, they a lot of chestnuts yeah, out in that sure. area, yeah. And so nobody thought that they were going to be able to to do anything out there in Oregon. Yeah, but they give you a whole history of the of the Oregon. Uh, how it all came about, and uh, John Breo, uh, uh, Willamette Valley uh, Winery,
2: Willamette Valley Vineyards, yeah, probably. Yep. yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I guess he was one of the one of the guys, and I know that because he was a lobbyist for the NFIB out there on oh, contract, and I'm the lobbyist for state director for small business oh, in pretty Funny, yeah. so Jim Breo, Jim Breaux. Oh, okay, and but he has Willamette uh, Valley Vineyard down there. So anyway, I read this book. After you read this book. You got to go to the Lang. Van. I mean, you just feel like you know him. Uh, Don Lang's a musician. I know. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say Don.
2: Don and his buddy Richard, I think it was. Uh, was I mean, the two of them toured the Midwest originally from Iowa. I don't know if it's in the book or not, but originally from Iowa and uh, toured toured the Midwest, played everywhere. They were you know good old rock and roll hippies, and they're just. I mean. Don and Richard. I used to just hang out with the two of them and laugh myself till I was silly because they are funny as can be and really amazing people. I, I love the Langs. Beautiful
1: it. place. sits up on them. Wines are up good. A, um, Wines are damn good. I mean, you can yeah. swing a cat out there, and that you know, in Dundee, I mean, you've got within what thirty miles. You I don't yeah. know how many nope. amazing. You've got Domaine Serene. You've got so many. Ponzi, you got a, a, just a bunch of. We've got the Pinot
2: Gris on the, the wine list upstairs, Lang Pinot Gris. And oh, you actually, do? Yeah, and we have a Reserve Chardonnay on the list as well upstairs.
1: That's where I learned to really love Pinot Gris because I like them, unlike some people. <laughs> I don't. It looks askance. I don't like crawling in the oak barrel and licking the inside <laughs> of it. I like these crisp, clean, patio pounder kind of, uh, Pinot Grigio's in the summertime especially, mm-hmm. and it's actually funny. That was about the time that uh, the rosés were starting to be a thing, yeah. you know, before getting over the stigma of of white Zinfandel. Of, of white Zinfandel. Yeah, white Zinfandel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so we actually went to a couple of tastings, and it was really funny. We we're like, hey, which ones did you like? And Brenda's like, I like the rosé. as a I don't believe it, but I do too. That was really, (laughs) that was really
0: good. So in my defense of liking (laughs) a little more oak, when Janet and I first started dipping our toe in the wine water, sort of, sort of biblical. (laughs) Sort of biblical. (laughs) Did you turn it into it? Buttery oaky Chardonnays were the style coming out of California. Absolutely. And that's what we cut our teeth on. That's what we grew up on. So, It's nostalgic and reminiscent for us, and I still like those types of Chardonnays. I know they have shifted and evolved to citrus and and, uh, a little more crisp but we still like a good oaky buttery chardonnay. <laughs> you
2: and so. you and millions of others, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like that is still no Chardonnay still the most popular grape in in America. Yeah. And and believe me, they're not drinking the the lean clean style. They're drinking something that has weight and, and yeah. aroma and spice and, and butter and cinnamon and all that.
0: Ronbauer has the reputation it does for a reason. So, yeah, that's absolutely. right. <laughs> it <laughs> it absolutely. It does. It does. Yeah. Well, this, well, thank you very much. This though. is, this is this delightful. Is, this um, is really good. This is really, really good. Well, just you. for our audience, what's the, what, if you don't mind, what's the price point on, on Typically, this? Typically,
2: this is around 38 bucks. Okay. Uh, well, there
0: you go. I'd pay. I would.
2: you pay 35, right?
0: I'd pay at least, <laughs> I was going to say at least 30 for
1: this one. This is there a good go. one right here. Don't tell him that. He's the winemaker.
2: <laughs> a bargain at half what the price. What are you doing to
0: us? <laughs> As
2: we used to say, a bargain at half the price.
1: Yeah. We're also oh, version well. aficionados. Okay. Would you talk a little bourbon, bit about bar? Drinkers. About sure. bar because you started uh, the Beverage Alcohol Resource. Yes, and I'd like to know a little bit about it. It, it sounded, I don't know, because there's an exam part of it, and I'm thinking, do we now have sort of an MS sort of equivalent for those that are interested in spirits? Is it, it is to some? What degree, was your thinking when you started? Yeah, when you started it, bar B A R.
2: Yeah, to some degree, when we started that 15 years ago. Um, That was the thinking. It was like, well, we could create something that is similar or inspired by the the Court of Masters or the MW for that matter, and it would be for bar professionals. Now, um, what was happening at the time, I've been involved uh, for many years in uh, the spirits industry as well, in the cocktail business and such, Um, and and I was a judge at the San Francisco uh, uh, Spirits Competition, which has been around for about 20 years or so, Uh, maybe not quite, but... Uh, by the second year of doing that, there was a small cadre of of us who were judges within that group that we found ourselves always hanging out in the in the bar you know afterwards Imagine as that. one does yes <laughs> and talking you know smack about the business and and comparing notes and having a good time and and uh two of us had back in uh, the the early nineties been actually yeah I guess it was uh, started in ninety one or so about the time I passed the Master de Somoyer. I had uh, helped create with one uh, one partner a guy named Steve Olson something called the Sterling School of Service and Hospitality, Spirits and Cocktails. Uh, it was founded uh, by Evan Goldstein, a famous master sommelier. He features in that story earlier where I was talking about, you know, he he's the guy I called to say, I don't need to take the intro class. I'll just move right <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Well, Evan, Evan is a famous restaurateur. His mother was square one in San Francisco, and that's where Evan cut his teeth. And he created this wine school and at, at Sterling Vineyards. And he wanted. To, he was then tasked with creating a, a spirits and cocktail school. So he called me up, and he called Steve Olson up, and said, "You guys are friends. You guys love working together." you want to do something, and Steve and I were all over it. Uh, Steve lives in New York, I live here, but we put things together, and we traveled the world, basically, teaching people about spirits and cocktails for about two years or so, and then that wound down. It it coincided with the the sale of Seagram's, which is the company that actually paid for us to do that stuff, and Seagram was dissolved, and and so we kind of said, well, we'll do something else in the meanwhile. I started teaching spirits classes at Disney World, which is how, you know, that came to be, and now we find ourselves in San Francisco, sitting down with Paul Packold, who's New York Times uh, spirits columnist, David Wendrich, who is about to publish his first book about cocktails, but he's the Esquire spirits writer, and he wrote Punch and Imbibe, and now kind of the the the, the books for for uh, the cocktail industry, and Dale Groff, who who was the original bartender and and mind behind the Rainbow Room where, you know, the Cosmo became famous. And, And the five of us are sitting around drinking together after about the third night of doing this Paul said, why don't we just all throw together and do something? And Steve and I are like, hey, dude, we already did something. I got the curricula ready to go. And David is, has a Ph.D. In, in literature. So he's like, I'll show you what a curricula looks like. You know? <laughs> and, and so Dave and I immediately start You're collaborating writer-type. on this. Oh, yes. you totally. But he's, you know, he's a fantastic writer. And, and so the five of us threw together, created this thing about 15 years ago. And, and it started out as just a, a, a five-day class called Bar Five Day, surprise, um, in New York City, which we still do Annually, COVID notwithstanding, we skipped this. Uh, you know, this, sure. this uh, we will skip this coming year. I should say, uh, this coming January. Um, but then we uh, then created another program called Bar Smarts. We traveled around the country teaching, and, and uh, I gave you way too long an answer to the short question. No, that's okay. The, right. the idea was um, to show people that there are um, that there are standards. To this business, and that people are responsible to know the difference between BS and marketing and the reality of it all. And at the, it, when we began, the idea—I I still remember talking to Dale about this—the idea that we could convince some one person, one bar, that pouring that using fresh juice, lemon, lime, what have you, instead of something out of a gun made a better cocktail. And you could convince them of that. When we started 15 years ago, we thought, maybe someday. That's all anybody does anymore. It's like, it's not us. It's just that we were part of that movement. And and the bar scene is a st- hundred times more sophisticated today than it was when we began. And it's just so exciting to watch.
0: Right. It, it is. Um, well, thank you for that, because it has made a difference, even, even in small markets. Absolutely. It's amazing. And one of our, our previous guests was... We call him the bar chef, but he's the best mixologist around. Right. The fact that the term he, bar chef, I yeah. think,
1: is I think is speaks to exactly what you're saying. Yes. They have elevated. He's not a bartender. No. he he tends bar, but he
0: is the chef, yeah. and he is in in he's charge in, of the beverage program. Pr- he infuses program. his own flavors into, so into liquors now. and syrups. and yeah. you know, he's, He works with a pastry chef to develop flavors that are part of his mixers. It's amazing what he does, and I know that's happening all over the country. Yeah, and, and
2: when I was bartending, you squirted stuff out of a gun. Right
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah, all When right, you
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you come down to Jeff City,
1: we will invite, uh, and, and send you over to Kevin. I am, we will uh, go have cocktails with Kevin, and then we'll go over to Barvino. We got this all planned. I'm, do. I'm down we're with gotta, that. We got to pick a date.
2: You know, the, actually, our plan has been to do the Katy Trail again. We did it about uh, four years ago, and it was fantastic. Well, it's and of course, still runs, there runs right it. through there. It sounds like yeah, um, pure fun.
0: So, so let's dispel some myths, okay? Because uh, I think everyone can agree the wine world can be intimidating. What are some of the wine myths out there that you, as a, an educator, a, a, an advisor, Samoyer, would like to say, this is not true. This is not, you know, this has been overblown and walk away.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly think, I mean, you guys have already spoken to it in, in, in writ large. The idea that you're supposed to drink what you like and to hell with what anybody else likes and to hell with the, what anybody else thinks, that you, you drink first and foremost what you like. And, and the the way in which wine has been sold, and, and I lay this at Robert Parker's feet, although I'm not going to vilify him about it, but he's the guy that's applied the 100-point scale to wine. And, and so the notion that the greatest <laughs> wine in the world gets 100 points and that if a wine gets 84 points, it's not worth drinking is, one, not very indicative of the 100-point scale. I mean, last I checked, if I got an 84, I'm good. I'm not I'm not getting kicked out of school, you know. So eighty four is okay. <laughs> but you know, somehow in the wine business these days anything under ninety isn't very good. So the scale itself is, is skewed and, and in Parker's defense Years and years ago, I, I, I spent the day with him and it, teaching a, a master class. And by the end of the day, there were a lot of drunk guys, you know, of course. And one of them buttonholes him. He's like, you know, don't you think the 100-point system is just BS and, I, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. and Parker looks at him and said, well, the 100-point system helps me sell magazines, and I'm in the business of selling magazines. It's like, thank you. That you know, mic drop.
0: Well, at least he was You're, honest. Yeah, exa-
2: exactly. He's like, dude, come on, don't blame me for the ills of the world here. But but it is also true that the hundred point system doesn't mean a damn thing. That if, if if Robert Parker gave a wine ninety nine points and he's coming to dinner, go buy the damn wine. If Robert Parker gave it. 99 points, and he's not coming to dinner, who cares? You know what I mean? It's like, find out what your guests like. Most of the time, my guests would rather I bring something that maybe has a touch of sweetness to it, or is a little softer and lighter, and the big, you know, powerful bitter, astringent wines that Parker likes, he's right for his palate, but most people aren't going to like those wines.
0: Here's one of the things that I like about some of the online uh, apps or purchasing guides or whatever is, when they take a an average of a lot of different reviews using the 100 point, if you want to use the 100 yeah, point scale. Yeah. But you're getting, you're not just getting one person's rating. So you've got, you know, if I'm getting an average of 92 or whatever, I know I'm in, you know, a lot of people think this is a pretty quality wine. Right. You know, let's give it a try. So, yes.
2: and, and, and exactly as you said uh, earlier, Keith, I think the key is find a writer whose taste reflects your own. And then just... Read what they like. Yeah. Pay attention. Truthfully, what I always tell people is the real key is find a retailer who you like. Because, you know the idea one thing that makes me crazy the idea that somebody will drive across town to save a buck on a bottle of wine is just dumb. Because one, that's gas. Two, what I need in order to buy good wine is not necessarily some damn score on it on a sheet of paper. I need and and I get to enjoy this here in Kansas City to walk into a store where somebody knows my tastes and and. It's true. I mean, you know, up until the the guy's not there right now, but there's other places I go. But I always think of this one guy named Jim. You know, I'll walk in. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, pretty good, man. What's going on? He's like, uh, did you ever try this? I'm like, (laughs) uh, no, I haven't seen that before. And he's like, get three. I'm like, yeah. uh, okay, you know, yeah. it's like I've never seen it before, but come on, there's, you know, hundreds. Ultimately, there are tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand different brands out there. How are you going to know them all? What you want is a retailer who, you know, that you could walk in and say, Hey, you remember that bottle I bought last time? I didn't like that. And they'll go, you know, do the sorry, I won't say you anything like that again, but what'd you think of this wine? Oh, I liked that wine. It's like, okay, come here. I got something else for you just like
0: yeah, that. Yeah, you're exactly right. I travel quite a bit for my job and I've got. A few wine stores around the state that I know I can go into, and even as infrequently as I might be there, I've learned to trust these guys. They know what I like, and they're they're steering me in the right direction. So, I,
2: and I live the same way. Yeah. I, I let people tell me what to buy that I haven't seen before, and, and you know I'm kind of like, dude, you know that's how how complex the wine world is. Listen to other
1: people. Yeah. I, I'm militant about the rating thing. I really am. I, I think it does this. I think it does the consumer, a great disservice. I think it's very confusing. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> I don't know who the hell James Suckling is, and I don't care what, he's, uh, what he puts on. But he puts a number on there. Wine Enthusiast, which I love. It's my, one of my favorite magazines. They put, they put ratings on. Now, I tell you what. If we really want to do, do ratings, here's what we do, Doug. There's my idea. You take 10 master sommeliers, and you put them in a room with about 2,000 wines, and you guys come up with a rating system and you rake those wines, and I tell you what, I think I would probably pay great, ap- great attention to, the, to, to what you all came up with as far as an average on, on bottles of wine. But it'll we, never happen. I we would never agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you never is, agree. They
2: don't agree <laughs> either. Yeah. They are not agreeing, <laughs> Yeah, in the MWs, we always say, you know, put three masters, masters of wine together and it'll have five opinions. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs>
1: I, mean, I don't know. It just – sometimes I, I get a little rowled in that I see – I see some wines on there that I think are really, really good and they get in eighty five and like you said, those aren't supposed to be any good. Right. If they don't hit ninety, all of a sudden they suck. You know, I'm like, it's just ridiculous. I'm
0: I'm glad we talked about that. That was one of the things we wanted to cover. I feel so much better. So we've talked a lot of wine today. (laughs) We've talked a lot about wine and again thank you but Okay,
1: here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna do the one thing that you've got in there though. We are going to do Doug Frost Rapid Fire right now. These oh, are going eight, to be really quick. Eight, eight, these are going to be eight, fast. but these five, But these are, these are important.
0: These, <laughs> All right. these,
1: these are are important in the wine world. Yeah, you're going to have to put yourself on my eye All right, here phone. you go. Here you go, MS. <laughs> cork or screw cap?
2: Well, I finished mine with cork and with screw cap. It depends <laughs> upon the wine. If it's fruity, if it's meant to be consumed fresh, screw cap, baby.
0: Okay. Boxed wine, yes or no? Sure. Foil cap, slice just the top off or remove it entirely?
2: Oh, just the. I slice off the top.
0: Okay. Aerators, use them or lose them? Uh, lose them. Darn. <laughs> I was hoping he'd say the other. <laughs> tipping, tipping the song, separately or with the total check? I just throw it on the check. Okay. They divide it amongst yeah, themselves. Exactly. It's like, you know, these. That's days. the fast five. That was a fast five. Who knew you could learn so much in so few seconds? I'll tell you what. Doug,
1: we cannot thank you oh, enough. Man. This has been this has this has been this every has been bit fine. of the afternoon that we hoped it was going to be. Um, your delight. Um, one thing I did want you to to be able to plug, and I don't know what the plans are for 2021, but you are also the founder of the Jefferson Cup, yes. which is a a very prestigious wine competition here and the Midwest Wine Yes uh, competition, which yes. you're also involved with. Yes. Um, Real quickly, what, what do you think your plans are for the Jefferson Cup other than having the, uh, We Like That Too podcast come? And do interviews during the Jefferson oh, okay. Cup.
2: That sounds like a good plan.
1: How'd It'll, you like the How'd you like the way it worked? That is, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So um, Je- the Jefferson Cup will not happen in in 2020, like a lot of different things. But I believe, and I think it's a reasonable assumption that we'll be in better shape a year from now. And so the Jefferson Cup typically happens the the uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before Thanksgiving. I believe we'll be able to have that competition. The Mid American happens always in uh, the the second week of July, and I'd like to think by the time we get to July, we'll be allowed to to get together sure. again. I mean, we got vaccines theoretically on the way, and and they'll get out there eventually. So I, right. I, I think there is life after twenty twenty.
1: Real quick, who's invited to the Jefferson Club? How do you how do you get your wine? Do you submit? Your, the vineyards submit their wines, or are they're invited. We, or yeah, uh, we
2: actually invite uh, the wineries that that are are participating. But the truth of the matter is, is the reason the invitation exists is because we're trying to limit the number of California wines that are there. Most competitions, let's say, have two thousand wines, and eighteen hundred are are from California. Guess who wins? So, mm-hmm. so the whole idea behind the invitation really was not to. Make which happens sometimes somebody from Iowa call and go well I just wondered if you could possibly invite us I'm like dude invitations open for you because I just want to make sure that every state gets a fair shake and typically California has overwhelmed in number so the invitation exists so California can't do that in our competition
1: oh wow yes, yes and, and and yeah we're unabashedly uh not shy about inviting ourselves over to uh, <laughs> set up and, and 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 talk to great winemakers from around the country i think that would be yeah. i think that would be cool. awesome. well the other thing i want
0: to remind listeners is we will post all of these links and things that doug is supporting sponsoring uh starting as a business owner that kind of thing <laughs> so we'll get all that up on the website and the facebook page and uh and cross promote some of that stuff for you. Awesome. Thank we, we you. We certainly will. Thank you again. Thank you so much. This has been,
1: this has been fantastic. And, uh, Keith, um, I am sad that we're having to wrap this up.
0: We like that too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of bon vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, we like that podcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good
1: friends, and three top picks because we, we like, like that too. too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too We like that too